Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Bike Radar Podcast. I am your host, Simon Von Bromley, one of Bike Radar's senior technical writers. And today I am joined by two of our shredders-in-chief, Rob Weaver, a technical editor-in-chief on the mountain bike side, and Luke Marshall, a mountain bike tech writer. How are we doing, chaps? Good, thanks, Simon. How are you? Yeah, really good. I can't believe I'm here in a mountain bike podcast. And you're in charge. And I'm in charge. And incredibly out of my depth. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> it's worry. almost as if you were desperate for someone to come in and do a podcast today. It's very weird anyway, but that can't be right, can it? Because you, the mountain bike lot, if anything, are famously well organised. Exactly. Took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to sit here quietly. <laughs> well, anyway, we are here today to discuss the mountain bike kit that Rob and Luke can't live without. Now, we, we did an episode recently on gravel kit that we couldn't live without because I'm going to get into gravel biking next year. But apparently, I should forget about gravel biking because basically gravel bikes are just 90s mountain bikes. Am I right, lads? <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm going to sit here quietly. <laughs> You've got one. <laughs> I've got one, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I agree, fully. Yeah, 90s mountain bike. And so instead, I should just forget that, go straight, straight onto a proper bike, straight on to some proper riding and and do some mountain biking. So if I do that, and if I forget what Jack and Tom said about gravel bikes and just buy a mountain bike instead, what kit do I absolutely need? And we'll just jump straight into it, Rob. What is your first piece of kit, mountain bike kit, that you couldn't live without? So as we live in a rather damp island, I rely on the fact that I get to wear trousers when I ride, not shorts. So I don't have to clean my lower legs. I can just peel the trousers off. <laughs> and uh, I mean, Luke and I started a long, long time ago. And when the first sort of mountain bike trousers became a thing, they were basically old motocross trousers. Yeah. And they were super heavy. They had the massive like sewn on rubberized logos. They weighed a ton. And when they got wet, they just drooped down and they were pretty uncomfy to ride in. Whereas now... We've got dedicated, proper mountain bike trousers to ride in, which are really well tailored, nice and lightweight. Some of them have a waterproof coating on, which helps, makes things a bit comfier when it's really damp. But yeah, they just make life so much easier. Even in the summer, you're wearing full trousers, even in the summer? Mm, depends on the bike ride. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, if it's more lift assisted, if you're at the bike park, maybe lift you assisted. Yeah, you, you say, <laughs> it's like what? What? That's that's a that's a term. I'm point? not. Yeah, what is it? Well, I don't even know what that means. I'm assuming you literally mean. I, I'm guess now. You mean like ski lifts? Yeah, or just being taken to the top of the hill in a bus? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> You're thinking, okay. God, they're lazy. Yeah, okay. So, so, and, and <laughs> someone's going to get you to the top of the hill and you yeah. only have to ride back okay, down. So te- trousers technical trousers. We were not, you know, I'm not coming across in my bike radar bibs. No. No. That would, no. Not yeah. just because it's not, you know, they're. You, you wear just, them if you want. Everyone's welcome. Okay, but, do what you want. but they don't have the protection or. No, these things are going to be slightly tougher. And, you know, there's. There's the fact that they'll cover you up and protect you a little bit from the mud and debris and stuff like that. But they are, you know, going to add us. I mean, it's not a whole lot of extra protection, but it's a bit more than just having your legs on show and, and crashing on those on, you know, bare skin. So do you, do you have a particular favorite pair of trousers? Thank you for asking. Yes, I do. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've even written them down. The specialized trail pants. So um, they cost 110 pounds. 
So similar price to a, like a high-end pair of bib shorts. Actually, to yeah. be fair, you could spend way more on bibs these right. days. And and so people might think that that's quite expensive, but in the scheme of things, compared to some of the more recently launched ones, they're actually pretty competitively priced. Really nice cut. They stay. Uh, I, I guess for me, I've got short legs, and they f- they work really well for me. Uh, that's the hardest thing for me is is finding them that fit in terms of the leg length. There's adjustment at the waist. There's a couple of useful pockets which are zipped, so you can put your key in there without it disappearing off while riding. And when they get wet, they don't just get baggy and flap around with every pedal stroke, which is a kind of a real bugbear of mine. So these ones fit the bill perfectly. Do you are you a fan of trousers for mountain biking, Luke? Yeah, probably for seventy five percent of the rides, I do. Um, well, well, the other twenty five, you just don't wear anything. Then, yeah, 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 yeah. Just go, just go in the free. Yeah, just go free. He's that's, off. The real, that's the real spi- that's the spirit of mountain biking, isn't it? Yeah, freedom. Just put my vest on and off I go. This is it. Why do you even put the vest on? <laughs> yeah. It's, a string, it's like the... a string vest, you know. It's one of, of those. It is. Yeah, I don't want to be caught out for robbing just riding topless. So that's it. He can wedge his phone in there, yeah, <laughs> just in case of emergencies. Uh, yeah, for yeah, I reckon probably seventy-five percent of the riding I do trousers, and then when it's really hot, shorts. And what kind of cut are we looking for with trousers? Are we looking for something relatively slim fit? I mean, that's not very fashionable with the the kids these days. But well, yeah. would you be going baggies or slim? Or I would say yeah, tapered. So kind right. of pretty slim, well fitted. I think uh, as I said before, if you do go down the baggy route, it ends up where you've got material bunched down around your ankles as it gets wet and caked in mud it kind of just flaps around and you can feel it hitting the cranks every time you pedal, which isn't very pleasant. Do mountain bikers wear padded shorts or trousers? Is that a thing? Yeah, definitely. So this is on my list of things I can't ride without is a chamois. Good segue. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you yeah, that way is, in there very that's well. That's a fantastic let's, segue. Let's just go. Let's let's just run with it as if we meant <laughs> as if we meant that. Luke. Like it was so, rehearsed. Or what something. is? Yeah. What's the first thing that you can't live without? A chamois. Wow. This is it. I can't ride a bike without a chamois. The comfort and the insulation it gives you. As Robin was alluding to earlier, we live in a pretty damp, wet country, and there was a bike ride at Bike Park Wales. I had. I can't the last winter or the winter before, but I forgot my chamois. And I had to ride in my boxers under my riding trousers. And it was the most horrible, cold experience ever. There's nothing worse <laughs> I'm than laughing having... because I know how much you love comfort. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> yeah. There's nothing worse than like having a cold, wet bum that's just being slapped repeatedly by a soggy <laughs> pair of trousers and boxers as you rattle down a hill. So, when, when <laughs> you, so, so, Im- so immediately, I've got, to, I've got one question from that. Is you say you forgot your chamois. Now, for me, obviously, you know, my, my chamois are always sewn into the shorts. So, ha- so how do you forget a chamois? I'm taking it that they're not sewn into the trousers. No. no. So it's a pair of extra shorts. You wear shorts. like a, a short liner or a bib okay. underneath. And how much do these cost? So the one I've got down here is... So right, it's a specialised one. It's their specialised swap bib. It's ninety pounds. Oh, well done, specialised. Yeah, they're doing well. Um, Other brands are available, are they? <laughs> <laughs> but it has the uh, it has three pockets at the back, so you can store multi tool on the inside of your trousers. On, on the outside of the bib. On the outside of the bib, but, but you they would, would be wear on the under of your a jersey. Okay. Yeah. Under a jersey, so they come. Oh, because they're like bib shorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. So okay. it's where like your pockets would be on a yes. road bike jersey, but they're sewn in onto the back of the bib. Okay. Uh, really great for storing snack, phone, tool, whatever. Um, super useful. And yeah, they're so it's just so much nicer to ride in. They're well fitted. They're warm, insulated. They're comfortable. I'm, I'm a man of comfort. 
So, uh, yeah, I couldn't, I like, can't ride without a bib. I hate it. Even if I go to the bike park or a downhill day, my bib's going on. I mean, and this is a guy who did a decade as a ski instructor living in the cold, and he, he genuinely hates being cold and uncomfortable. Well, I mean, I hate being cold and uncomfortable. So, so how he survived, I mean, me. how he survived, I have yeah. no idea. <laughs> he soldiered on. A lot of chamois. <laughs> <laughs> You know you could just buy a coat, right? <laughs> okay. Well, that that's pretty good. I mean, that's reassuring because, I, yeah, I know what a chamois is and I, and I also wear trousers sometimes in normal life. So I suppose chamois and, and trousers aren't too far from... You have them on now, I believe. I do have yes. them on now. Yeah, I didn't take them off for this podcast. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I also... So that's, not, that's fine. I'm, I, can, I can work with both of those things. What's your second product, Rob? Knee pads, but to be more specific, the Rafa Trail knee pads. I pretty much will always wear knee pads no matter what type of riding I'm doing, simply because the chances are you're going to crash at some point. You tend to put your knees down or they tend to contact the ground pretty frequently. So just being able to have something over them to offer a bit of protection is uh, a very helpful thing. These ones in particular are just some of the comfiest ones that I've ever used. So they're CE level two rated, so they offer a bit more protection than a level one. So a bit more uh, coverage as well. But yeah, the, the main thing about these is that you can slip them on in the morning and you can ride in them all day without any discomfort, no chafing, anything like that. There's protection when you need it, but you don't have any of the drawbacks in terms of discomfort and stuff like that when you're pedaling, which is a big thing. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Yeah, I guess, you know, I'm thinking of the, the kind of mountain biking that I would watch would be, the, say, the cross country, right? Mm-hmm. And no one's wearing any pads in in those sorts of things is, is is this type you know is this something you you would wear even if even you know say i went out and brought a cross-country hardtail mm. or something is that something you'd still be recommending knee pads um but when i raced cross-country last year for example i didn't wear knee pads but if i rode the same cross-country bike at a trail center i probably would slip a thin pair on just to give me a little bit of protection simply it's just peace of mind it's one of those things where i think they're in the kit bag if I don't put them on, I'm probably going to crash. And then I'll kick myself. Not what, literally. What about... <laughs> you're not that flexible anymore, <laughs> no, are you? really not, no. <laughs> what about other types of pads? Kind of, you know, because I'm thinking, you know, when I think of knee pads, I, I'm thinking back to my kind of, you know, Tony Hawk's pro skater days. And I'm thinking yeah. of, you know, I'm going to get the, the wrist pads, the elbow pads, you know, the knee pads. Sure. Like, as if I was skating yeah, vert, yeah. you know, is that... What about elbow pads and other things? Or is it just um, knee pads that take the... I guess I would always wear knee pads potentially depends on the type of riding i'm doing maybe if i was going to put anything over my arms i guess if i was it would be a sort of a really thin malleable sort of uh, d3o style pad so like a flexible thing that hardens on impact they're not very bulky and they'll pretty much protect you from like gravel rash and abrasions and stuff like that but you know if you crash and you're going to break your arm you're going to break your arm whether you've got pads on or not so i tend not to wear those too much they also can be quite restrictive in the sense that they can give you a bit of arm pump depending on what ones you use i don't know about you luke but uh yeah i've only got skinny arms so that no, my uh, elbow pads aren't that tight on me <laughs> <laughs> but do you wear them though um only downhill riding 
Okay. So if I'm on a trail bike or an enduro bike or out through the woods, yeah. like if I put a full face helmet on, I probably will. Yeah. Um, if I'm in my oak trail helmet, open face helmet, I probably won't. Okay. I mean, I wore the really skinny Troy Lee ones for the Stone King rally last year. And that was because it was blind racing over six days. Blind racing. Sorry, Rob, you're going <laughs> to... Sorry. So um, <laughs> you have to explain you, that. You haven't pre-ridden any okay. course. So it's downhill stages. I think it's four stages per day over six days. And you don't have a clue what lies ahead of you. So if you're trying to ride and push things a bit, the chances are you're going to take a tumble. So I did, I did wear them for that. But again, it's where the knee pads really come in handy because you tend to, you know, if you just overshoot a corner or slide off in a turn, it's your knee that kind of takes a fair, other whack, fair old bit of the whack. So. What about, what about gloves? I'm assuming you guys both wear gloves. I mean, something, you know, road cycling, a lot of people wear gloves to avoid road rash. And when I've been mountain biking in the past, I've always been like, oh, I should probably wear gloves because obviously, you know, that that's a thing but i'm not a huge fan of gloves okay unless it's cold and then i love gloves yes <laughs> now I, I will always wear gloves and and, in, and you know is it worth buying a kind of you know we're kind of slightly off topic here but is it worth buying a set of mountain bike specific gloves or could i just get a, you know get away with a set of like i don't know like lightweight gloves that i've got for road cycling or something um i guess it sort of depends on for me anyway it's a really um it's obviously a really subjective thing, but I hate having the padding. You know, you get yeah, some of the gel pads yeah, on yeah. the roadie gloves. I, I mean, I personally can't stand that. Even on a road bike, I won't use those types of well, gloves. Well, Tom Boonen never wore gloves, did he? And what a hero. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. Um, well, for me, it's just, it, it needs to be a well-fitted thin glove. I don't like big bulky ones. So, um, and, and that's the thing. You can, you can, you don't have to spend a fortune to get them. There's some really good ones out there for around like 25, 30 quid. Would uh, would there happen to be a best mountain bike gloves guide on BikeRadar.com? I would imagine so. Well, I would imagine so. But better go check that out, <laughs> dear listeners. Okay, so knee pads. That sounds good. Yeah. Would uh, would those be going on underneath your your trousers or over the top? Is it dorky to wear them over the top? That looks yeah, a little uh, bit yeah, dorky. You'd wear them underneath. Yeah, you don't yeah. want anyone to know that you don't want to get hurt. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> imagine. <laughs> okay, Luke. Um, what's your What's your second product, Luke? Uh, so my second one is tire inserts. Uh, yeah. So we had this in gravel as well. Yeah. We so, in gravel. so roadies are not on board with tire inserts yet, other than for like spring classics. So ex- explain to me, you know, first, what is a tire insert for those who don't know, and what are the benefits? So a tire insert is generally a hoop of foam that sits within the volume of the tire and stretches around the rim. So a couple of purposes. One, it helps add a bit of support to the tyre. When you're cornering, if you've got lower pressures, the tyre can often roll or squirm. Um, so it helps add a bit of support there. And then it also helps add some protection against rock impacts or any time you might then like possibly puncture the tyre by hitting a sharp rock or denting the rim. Just adds a bit of protection that way. So they're kind of its two main goals. Now this might, you know, if, if anyone's listening to this who kind of isn't, you know, aware of latest trend. These are only able to be, you can only use these with a tubeless setup, can't you? So yeah, so these are for tubeless tires. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to fit in a tube and insert in. It would uh, not work. So you're going down the tubeless route here and it just adds that like puncture protection. So I've been running inserts for about five years now, probably definitely four. I haven't had a puncture in all that time. Very, I think I can remember one rim. I might have put a ding in, definitely not broken any. So like I'm sold on them. I do have a favourite. I use a Rimpack Pro. It's about £80. That's for the pair, front and back. 
And Which is pretty good, though. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, in, in relation to some of them, right? Yeah, so you can go more expensive and you can go cheaper. But I think like this has a really good price to performance to weight ratio. Obviously, whatever you put in your wheels, people are going to argue about weight. But if you're only going downhill, surely you want heavier, don't you? Is that not a thing? Uh, not always, no. <laughs> <laughs> Depends what comfort you're after. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay, here we go. <laughs> so, no, you still want to keep your wheels as reasonably sprightly as possible. It's, I guess, not such a big influence as if you've got to climb them back to the top of the hill or if you're being timed to climb anything up a hill. But uh, so there's a, yeah, a reliability becomes a bigger factor rather than just lightweight performance. Is it, you know, obviously, when we talked about these with gravel, Tom and Jack both supported using inserts, but then they, they sort of said that they weren't really a consumable item. Is it different in mountain biking? Would they get damaged by the kind of repeated impact that you're more likely to see in, in mountain biking? Or is it kind of, you know, you spend your, your 80 pounds for a set and then, you know, you can keep transferring those between between tires as you kind of keep going? So no, I transfer mine from bike to bike. They've held up pretty well. Um, the foam will get chipped away. Like you will get little cuts and dings and chunks taken out of it. But they're, they're pretty, for what they are, you know, it's in a lightweight bit of foam. They're pretty robust. Yeah, I think this must probably be my one pair that's been on its third bike i reckon so do you run lighter tires because i don't run lighter tires because of it and i don't run lower pressures one of the other benefit is they say you can run lower pressures because it gives you that support and the puncture protection um which helps offer more grip but i don't i I literally use it as an insurance policy um i can't be bothered to have punctures and i can't be bothered to damage wheels i still run what I would call normal pressures if like on I'm testing a bike and it doesn't come with inserts, of course. This is uh, something I've added to my long-term test bike. But it is a great insurance policy to have against protecting your wheels or for protecting your wheels. So, so far, you, your stuff is all about comfort mm-hmm. and limiting how much <laughs> faff and maintenance there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you, you'll see a theme on the next <laughs> one, too. <laughs> this next one's going to be his personal mechanic. <laughs> a van. <laughs> And what about kind of like installation? You know, I think um, for a road tire, especially, obviously a road tubeless tire, fitting these inserts can be incredibly difficult because they take up that space in the center of a kind of relatively narrow road rim that prevents a tubeless bead basically dropping into the rim. And that makes the tire an incredibly tight fit. And we've also heard you know, reports from kind of pro mechanics that these soak up tubeless sealant or something like that. And, and so that when you have a puncture, you know, because that some of the sealant has kind of adhered to the insert, it doesn't you know plug Do the hole. Yeah, yeah. Is there are there any kind of drawbacks to to them in like in in those sort of ways? Yeah, when you install them, expect to sweat and expect to swear. <laughs> but so that's it, kind of, that can be standard for some tubeless setups. Exactly, anyway, it can right? be, like yeah. that, you know. So there's a couple of tricks you can do. Do it in the warm. So. If you've got a warm tire and a warm insert, if you can do it, how do you get a warm tire? I would say go inside. Tom Marvin had a good tip actually before. He said that he used to warm his tires up in a bucket of hot water. Oh, there we are. Which I haven't done, but sounds sounds reasonable. Um, But but yeah, if you're outside and it's like four or five degrees, it's going to be a real fight. If you can do it indoors where it's a bit warmer, life's going to be much easier. Also, try and pre-stretch them a little bit. The tire. The tire insert. Oh, the insert. The insert itself, okay. yeah. There's only a bit of foam, so it does have some stretch in it. 
So if you can stretch it out a little bit before you put it on, that's going to make life much easier for you as well. You do see the pro mechanics using them. Well, they look like um, those resistance bands almost, don't they? They're still yeah. in the pits, kind of giving it some of that. Like, <laughs> having a little <laughs> workout, trying to stretch the cush core or whatever it might be. Yeah. So it snaps onto the rim. Trying to stay easier. fit when you're on the road. Exactly, yeah. And yeah, and I think because like Tom, all those guys alluded to on the previous podcast, that, um, that there is more surface area inside the tyre, so you do need more sealant. Sure. Yeah. Which adds weight. Yeah, which adds weight. <laughs> Simon's <laughs> like, no thanks. See ya. <laughs> no, I advise, you know, I, I, to be to be fair, like, I, I think, um, you know, they, they sound, the benefits of, of inserts sound that they definitely outweigh the extras. And, you know, yeah, you might need a little bit more sealant, but like, you know, as you say, for for the benefit of not damaging your rim or, you know, potentially getting fewer kind of sort of snake bite punches, um, that could be really good. And you also get a lovely, like, muted, comfortable ride down the hill. It's, there you go. Uh, yeah. yeah. Do you run inserts, Rob? Uh, no. Oh. No. Oh. Hates them. Hates them, I yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say I hate No, I don't hate them. I think it's more because uh, I change stuff all the time. I can't be bothered. Oh, you change tyres all the time? Yeah, kind of fiddle around with that stuff. So, therefore, it's a bit of a faff. I think... Last year when I raced that Stone King Rally, I probably should have put one on, but I didn't. I just went for a thicker casing tyre just because I figured if I flatted and needed to stick a tube in, I didn't want to then have to deal with an insert as well in order to get to the bottom of the hill. So I decided not to, but I, in hindsight, I probably should have done it. Okay. Hmm. And the, the last question on this, you know, do they add rolling resistance? I had no idea. I can't say I notice a drastic difference if I go from my long-term bike to a bike I'm just testing. Um, I've got one for review. So it's if it is, it's not as negligible compared to how sticky the tyres are, how heavy the bike is anyway. It's caped in mud and how dirty my drive chain is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really funny when you look at like uh, the top downhill World Cup races, it's a real mixed bag as to who runs them and who doesn't. So Luke Bruni, who's the overall champ this year, he runs them front and rear. And then you've got other guys in the top five that won't touch them. And why is that? Some of them just say you don't need them. Simple as that. They just don't think that they get any real benefit from them and they just don't bother using them. But you, but there's a lot of weird opinions out there because Alex Evans still likes inner tubes, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he likes all sorts of stuff though, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, no comment okay. okay they don't have to worry about damaging a wheel if they destroy a wheel yeah in one run there is that yeah that's just, true they're just going to get another one yeah but you think about what you said about that muted feel that damping as well it, you know why wouldn't you go with that if it makes the overall ride experience better yeah why wouldn't you go with that Rob exactly I know <laughs> I'm not racing though so okay. it's fine <laughs> Okay, and also you don't have to pay for your wheels either. I don't, but I I dislike damaging stuff and just chucking it away. I'm not into that at all. Okay, mm. that's fair. Okay, all right. Well, that's yeah. I think I'm definitely sold on um, on tire liners. They sound like a very good idea. Mm. Um, Rob, what's your third product? So the next one's a bit of a weird one, and it it wasn't until actually Luke pointed it out when we were chatting the other day that um, he said, "Oh yeah, you should probably put a Garmin in there because you record all your rides." And I. All of a sudden, I realised, yeah, that's that's actually true. So it was a there was a point a few years ago where I never would have touched one, and I still don't use Strava or any other things like that. But you I do, log yours in the yearly calendar, the mileage calendar. Well, it's more it's more because I want to try and get the most out of every ride and know 
almost like how much I've done just to, for my own sort of well-being almost, just to see where I'm at in terms of how I feel from week to week. See if my heart's about to implode. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, just for your stuff own like well-being, that. keep a check on that health. Yeah, stuff like that, really. But um, no, I mean, Luca, I, I like to ride quite a lot and I like to go uphill quite a lot. So I'll do a sort of, most of my runs will be a minimum of a thousand meters of elevation. Sure, show off, um, crikey. No, it's more, it's a desperation to keep up with all the young pups <laughs> it's a horrible experience to go out riding with Robin. <laughs> Me and Tom, we organise our days to go together when Robin's not there so we can have a peace and quiet. Well, no wonder if you guys are always getting the lift up to the top of the trail, <laughs> then no wonder you can't keep up with Rob. But uh, honestly, it's more honestly, it's just it's just for my own sort of fitness and, and stuff like that, really. So for those who don't know, when you say a Garmin, you know, what, what, is, what is a Garmin? Well, it's a cycle computer that you can have all sorts of different data uh, on the home screen, whatever you kind of want almost. So everything from distance, speed, elevation, power, if you have a power meter, cadence, if you have cadence sensors, you can use them as a GPS unit to, you know, um, navigate with, or you can use them as simply as I do to literally just track your rides and see how fast your heart's beating and how, how far you've been. And would you recommend a, a specific like bike computer that you say mounts your stem or your handlebars over something kind of like maybe you know, a watch? Uh, I've used watches in the past and it depends if you want to. So the reason I started doing it was because I was going to go and do an EWS a long time ago. What is an EWS? So it's now called the EDR, but it's the Enduro World Series race. And I was going to go down and, and cover it for Bike Radar and do it. I was going to go down to Spain and, and be out there for the week and race alongside a few of the pros and just sort of get a feel for how impressive what it is they do. Um, Imagine if you'd gone and done that and then been really good and then be like, oh, it isn't impressive. Well, the, like, <laughs> it, I'm it, actually, it is impressive because while I'm I was, a hitter. Well, well, no, while I was trying to do it, I, I snapped the end of my arm off, so I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was wondering what had happened to your arm, actually. <laughs> so this one. Yeah, so, that so, weird fake arm that you've got. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, no, it, it didn't go particularly well. But in the lead up to that, where I was looking to train a bit uh, and, and focus what I was doing a bit more, it was suggested that I should kind of you know be able to monitor things like heart rate and, and and stuff like that just to keep a track of things and and train more effectively so i started with a watch and while it was fine for certain aspects unless you're using a chest strap the i found like that yeah the heart rate data was so just all over the shop yeah it is i i have a, a polar uh grip watch that i'm wearing right now and the the heart rate data is okay if you wear in exactly the right spot on your wrist which is far far up from where you would wear a, a watch normally but it it doesn't compare to a strap yeah. the 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 data can't respond as quickly as your heart and obviously you know your heart doesn't even respond as quickly as your legs so exactly yeah i would but you can you know you can pair a, a chest strap yeah. to it I, I think for me the main difference between having a watch and a bike computer is that the watch isn't within sight you can't look at it whilst you're riding there's that and there's also the battery i was finding on okay. on longer days as well it was really starting to flag towards the end uh, whereas uh a specific computer like you said it's it's there in front of you and also the the battery capacity bigger is much bigger yeah, yeah. do so, you use it for navigation as well on um, trails I have done but generally I don't really ride anywhere I don't know where I'm going <laughs> <laughs> okay but you can that is a possibility yeah. for people yeah. who are more adventurous yeah absolutely there's mapping to be okay. had there and you can you know if you use something like Garmin or 
polar they most of them now have some form of mapping on there that you can go and you know create your own routes and upload them so you can follow a an arrow or a map whatever it might be um and they you know they're great if you're if you're looking to explore and stuff like that but for me it's just one of those things that it's it just goes hand in hand with every single ride now just to keep tabs on me you know like last week i had a cold so today i rode in and i was like i need to kind of keep my heart rate down because i'm not feeling you know as good as i could be so just going a bit steadier and it means i can recover a bit better stuff like that it's very sensible and boring but then i guess i am <laughs> so <laughs> no i wouldn't say that rob pulling you- those trousers up high <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you ride do you ride vapamia rob i have i've so i've got them on two bikes okay I got one on my gravel bike and I have one on my enduro bike actually. So yeah, it's quite, for me, it's relatively new because it's only since, um, when did I get it? On the enduro bike, I got it with the new transmission stuff from SRAM. So it was quite, it's one of those things. It's a new, it's a new aspect to look at. And I didn't really, that's the thing is you start going, Oh, is that a good number? Is that a bad number? So again, a bit stressed about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, if don't put too much effort into it because one day you'll do a good number and then you'll never be able to do that number again <laughs> you know well the thing is I, I think as well um it's especially problematic for people like you and me who are getting older mm. like i did my best numbers back in 2015 <laughs> and every time i get reminded you know that the the national hill climb went up the struggle recently yeah. and so it's in the lake district and i was yeah. and i remember like you know when i was like really training at some of my best times up the climbs around there were in 2015 and I was looking back at them yeah. you know over the weekend and I was like oh cr- god I was fit <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'm never gonna get it is depressing because not only am I you know 10 years older now um I will never be able to do that amount of training with the life that I have now yeah you know, I, it's I, very sad so don't yeah. you know at least with heart rate monitors the, the good thing about those is that like of course, your maximum heart rate decreases as you get a bit older, but at least they still tell you how hard you're trying. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm not going to stress too much about the, the the power thing, but it is inter- it's interesting to have another metric to look at. Oh, yeah, I still use them. I love them. Yeah, totally. But to your point, it's partly why, you know, I wouldn't ever go near Strava because I be, think... Yeah, you've got to be careful, haven't you? I'd be far too competitive and be out there and look, you know... if. I mean, if you're doing all this mileage, surely you should be showing off on Strava. That's the whole point of it, isn't it? To show off about how, how you have, you still have, do you have a profile on Strava so that people no. can still see your mileage, no. even though it's kind of private activities? No, no. You should get one, Rob. You'd probably be really, <laughs> you'd probably, it sounds like you'd be really good at it. No, I think, I think I'd get far too into it. And then you could set yourself weekly goals for elevation and kilometers and, and then that's the thing. And that's what would consume me. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be the end of me. <laughs> Wave bye bye. He's gone. All right, what about what about you, Lou? Do you do you use a, a Garmin for everything, or okay, other brands are available? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do have one. I very rarely use it. Oh, that's that's interesting because I, I like like you, Rob. I I track everything. So I've never used a power meter. I do have a Garmin. And I put it on, but again, just to measure heart rate, distance, elevation, that sort of thing. But it depends what bike I'm on and what I'm riding and what I want to get out of the day. So it. it it goes on rarely. Often I think, ah, oh, I need to. Uh, I have just put a mount in a uh, spare mount in the van, so I can swap it between bike and bike and bike. Because at the minute my mount just lives on my gravel bike, um, and I never remember to take it off that to go mountain biking. So I have put a spare one in the van with the uh, the hope of using it more. Um, but no, it's very rare that I put one on. 
And is that just because you simply, you know, it, the roadie thing to do is like, you know, with Strava, we go out and, you know, if I'm going to kind of have a go at a hill, you know, I want to know my time on it, right? Like that's the kind of important thing or like, you know, I'm going to go out training. I want to know my power numbers or whatever. But is, is it not, you know, do you guys track your times down certain courses or trails? Or? I think I don't put it on because I think if, if I knew the real numbers, I'd probably just cry. <laughs> <laughs> just, I don't want to be so disappointed in myself that, you know, how hard that seven kilometers was. <laughs> <laughs> Big road day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, no, we don't often, I don't know, time myself anything down. Don't time any runs. I think as well, like, part of the reason why I always have it is because if you know you can do a certain elevation in a day, for example, if something comes up here at work where we're like, okay, we need someone to go and do this, you know you're in decent enough shape that it's going to be okay. There's always that. I always have that sort of at the back of my mind in case we have an event to go to or, I don't know, a press camp where you know it's going to be. I mean, that's part of the reason I stay fit. I just want to be embarrassed the next time I have to ride with someone else, you know? Exactly. Like I said, all the young pups around here, you just, I mean, constant fear of, you know being found out and <laughs> so you just try to hang on the best you can for every day so try and stay as fit as you can okay well yeah i'm definitely <laughs> gonna have a garmin i mean i have one already and actually i've got multiple because i'm one of those sad sad people who tests power meters and rides around with sort of free power meters and free garmins all at the same time <laughs> so i can compare the data so i'm definitely on board with that uh what is your third product luke uh, so the third thing that I go out with, I never go on a bike ride without, is a pocket-sized multi-tool. And I, and I do keep it in my pocket. And these days, there's loads of ways to stash a multi-tool on a bike. You can put it in internal frame storage. You can have it clipped to the side of the bike, whether it goes in a pump or in a head tube or in a bottle cage mount. But nothing is as quick and simple as just having a multi-tool in a pocket. And you just pull it out when you need it, and it's there, put it back in. You say that, now I'm going to invent a glove. That has one. <laughs> on each finger. Like Freddy Krueger, but with yeah. Allen keys. It's like 10 bits right there. You're good to go. <laughs> Done. And then oh. the, two, the two thumbs could be a little chain. Tool. Yeah. Tool. Oh, we've nailed it. No, there yeah. we go. Right. There's, have we got the IP on that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If anyone's listening, don't take that idea and uh, run with it. Because it's be, really good. It's a really good idea. <laughs> and we're going to make loads of money, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> For the people that don't wear gloves, we just have little puppets that go, little oh, yeah, finger true. socks that Rob go and I have already over said the end. We've already said we don't like wearing gloves. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, that's a shame. Yeah. That's a shame. But, uh, okay. Convenience, a yeah. man of comfort and convenience. You yeah. can see okay. my theme. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I mean, that's you know, I think yeah, most cyclists would carry a multi-tool. But what what would you say are the essential tools that a mountain biker specifically should have on their multi-tool? Um, so you probably want a standard range of Allen keys, so from a two to a eight, if you can, and a T twenty-five bit. So those would probably get you through most bolts on a bike. Unless you have center lock rotors, which kind of throws the whole thing out. Yeah, but no yeah. one's carrying a tool for a center lock right. rotor, are they? But they always get loose. Do they? Oh. Well, they seem to. They seem to on test bikes anyway. Maybe it's just Your me. The guy's Fred locking his rotors. <laughs> <laughs> but so that would get you through, I think, most things. I mean, there is the a, a chain breaker. If you get one with a chain breaker, it's always going to help in case in chain snaps. Um, the one I use is a little one-up EDC tool. How much does that set you back? So this comes as a bit more of a, a package. I think it's actually maybe what Tom said on his last podcast as well. I think this is a lot of repeating. I should have listened harder to that podcast. <laughs> and, uh, um, so the one I use is that, and it just goes in my pocket. And I think it's about 
seventy pounds. That gives that you seems incredibly pricey for a small multi tool. So this is a tool well, system. Well, it's more than that. Simon. Okay, it's a system. It's a system. Yeah. Okay. So it has your tool and it has a tire lever and space for a spare chain link and okay. uh, a chain tool, and it slides either in its own pump. You can find it or install into a head tube as well or fork steerer tube, I should say. But yeah, but to be honest, I've just I do have the pump on my bike, but I've just taken the tool out and I keep the tool in my pocket because it's just so much quicker to access than having to take your tool off or pull the tool out of the pump. And so, uh, but any chain, any pocket-sized multi-tool will be fine. I hundred percent. I I never leave the house without a kind of saddlebag and you know multi-tool uh, pump. What else would you? Other other than this, is, do, you, do you carry anything else, say, you know, tubeless repair kit, spare inner tube? You know, you've already mentioned uh, like a, a mini pump there, but is there anything, you know, do you carry spare change or spare contact lenses or some emergency food, something like that? You know, what what are the kind of, what's your kind of pro tip for, you know, if, I, if I've got my roadie, my roadie saddlebag, what do I need to change to make it a mountain biker saddlebag? My everyday carry. You roughly just need the same thing. So, That's like, boring answer. Right? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> we'll move on to oh Rob. <laughs> inner tube, spare inner tube, yeah. tire levers, tire plugs, quick um, link maybe. Quick link. Um, I think that's literally what's strapped to my bike. Mini pump. Other than that, there's a uh, there's nothing elaborate on a mountain bike that you need that's going to go. If it goes that wrong, you need something else. Depends. Like if you go like in a Big day out in my backpack. I'll have like a Leatherman because they're really useful for like a like a pocket knife. Yeah, basically. Well, they're they're kind of you know the fold out pliers with knives yeah. and different bits and pieces on there because you know if you're out in the wilderness all day, sometimes you know you do need to do that or uh, make lunch. It's good for cutting open a baguette and. <laughs> <laughs> There is that too. <laughs> From the baguette shop in the wilderness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the wilderness baguette shop, yeah. <laughs> or unless you bought it before. Oh, unless you bought it before, I suppose. It. Yeah, before you went into the wilderness, you went to the baguette shop on the edge of the wilderness. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, you know it. Good. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Yeah, it's a really good one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what else would I take? I would say, Rob, if you're going to go into the wilderness, I would pre-make your sandwich. No, it's not as fun. No? Then I get to use my leatherman. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> uh, take a jacket. Okay. And I carry a first aid kit as well because I'm a dad. Just for yourself, so you can administer first aid? No, because no, uh, no one else will. Okay. Yeah, so um, no other person will carry a first aid kit, so I figure I might, as well, I might as well be the one carrying it. Okay. Would you ever carry a first aid kit when you're out on a ride? It, it probably sounds like a sensible idea. I'm asking you to, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm asking you this as kind of a joke, Luke, but... I'm, ca- I'm carrying it for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I go with Robin, the first aid kit just rides off. So I have to carry my own anyway. <laughs> But if you if you, if you went to a trail centre though, it, would you still need to carry that sort of stuff, or is it kind of you know you could get someone to ride back to the trail? You centre? should do. It's really you wise thing to carry. Yeah. yeah. Do you ride with a backpack, Luke? Very rarely. So you don't um, have any space for a first aid kit. No, I could put it in my bib shorts. Okay. I could squeeze one in there, um, and I have got a nice bum bag one that I used when I was a ski instructor. Mm. Could take that out with me. But, but, um, don't. but I don't. <laughs> I don't. But no. Well, actually, He's... Tom recommended a, a, a bum bag as part of his gravel thing. So, it's, it's a, it's, it's that, why don't you take that out? I think it's just something I've never done. So, I never do. If you know what I mean, you've I have... got pockets in your shorts, haven't you? So, I suppose mm. that would kind of conflict with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably wouldn't want to wear both of them together. But um, too many pockets. Is it? Yeah. And sometimes you go out and you crash and you do feel incredibly vulnerable when it happens. If you're on your own, you're like. 
oh god i really need to take my safety more seriously like should i get a helmet crash detector you know should i have a bit of an app that flare gun flare gun <laughs> exactly yeah when you're out in the wilderness <laughs> so they're what you're eating, what you're eating <laughs> ever get. shoot your flares off so uh but sometimes yeah you you will crash and you'll end up a bit of a sting or graze or cut so you think oh if I'm I'm terribly vulnerable now. Like I'm in the middle of nowhere. No one really knows where I am. But then you get back to the van and you're fine. You shake it off and you carry on riding and you forget about it again. And it's not until the next time it happens. You're like, oh God, I really need to do something more about my first aid situation. So I recommend anyone that is going out riding definitely as a priority, take one. You can, and that's the thing. It's like, uh, you can get decent little waterproof um, first aid kit bags and then just kind of pack what you need rather than necessarily getting one you know, pre-made because it might not have all the things you might need within it. So it's easy to kind of mix and match and make sure you've got the stuff that you think you're going to need rather than a load of superfluous stuff you're never going to use. Get your Pro Plus in there. and Yeah, <laughs> and if Pro you, Plus. If baguette. you're not putting your multi-tool in your frame, then maybe it's a internal frame storage is a good place to stuff a first aid kit. And you, so do you always ride for backpack? Is that what you would recommend <gasps> over... Over, say, yeah, like a saddlebag or a frame bag or something like that, Rob? Depends on the ride. Also depends on what bike I'm riding because some bikes do have internal frame storage. So you can, like Luke said, you can use that instead. But most of the time I ride with a little bum bag. I've got a little old uh, Bontrager one, which is really slim, really um, well-fitted and, and it isn't particularly bulky, so it doesn't really ever feel like it's weighing you down. You can't put loads of stuff in there, but you can get kind of the essentials. Up again there. No, no. You chance. can't get a baguette in there. No. So how do you carry your baguette in the backpack? If I was riding, yeah, I'd put it in my backpack. If you're going out for a baguette ride, if it's a baguette ride in the wilderness, I'd stop at the baguette shop yeah. on the edge of the wilderness, then yeah. off into the wilderness with my backpack in the baguette. And what, sorry, what, my sorry, what fillings are you putting in this baguette? Cheese and uh, like posh ham, I guess. I really think you should make this sandwich in advance, Rob. I don't really know why you're... I mean, I guess it's the experience, isn't it? It's it's old habits die hard. When we used to go out to um, France and Switzerland riding together, that we'd stop at wherever we were. Oh, of course. We've all had a fromage et jambon (laughs) baguette. Exactly. And then you'd be on the lift while you sat on the lift making your baguette. And, I mean, we were just tearing them open or using like a wedge and a tie lever to do it. But But now... You're old enough. You're allowed to buy... You yeah. can go into the shop and because you, you've got this beard, everyone believes you're over I can 18. buy a Swiss army knife. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and a beer. Yeah. So, <laughs> all done. We're not recommending anyone uh, mountain bike whilst drinking beer though, are we? Or carrying a Swiss army or knife open. Swiss, yeah, and open. Yeah, put it, close it. Yeah. Do you have a little holster? I'm trying to imagine you. In my Leatherman I do. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a Leatherman holster. Oh, do you yeah. put it on your belt and you whip it like crocodile I don't dandy? have a belt on those trousers. Okay. Yeah. I probably wouldn't either if I crashed on it. I've crashed with keys in my pocket before and had like the gnarliest bruise on my <laughs> leg and like puncture wounds in my thigh. So, um, I mean, I know Luke likes to carry a, a tool in his pocket, but um, I'm kind of, yeah. Bags. Crashing that, on those yeah. is pretty bad. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that, that, I think that's pretty, six good mountain bike accessories that you guys couldn't live without. Are there any kind of, any wild cards you want to throw in just at the end, either, either Luke or Rob? There's one thing that, I don't think this made riding so much better and it's a dropper post. Oh yeah, that's a good shout. If you're going to go mountain biking and you've come from the road bike world, you probably don't have any dropper posts in the road bike world. No, I've never never used one. But they make mountain biking brilliant. To be fair, they make gravel riding better too. Why? Because when you're descending, you can be in a more controlled position. It isn't purely dictated by how high your saddle is, which kind of, you know, potentially push you into the wrong position 
on the bike. And when you say wrong position, do you mean kind of like a forward weight distribution or? Not necessarily, more like your ass is too high up okay. and you can't get your weight down low enough to maximise grip and stuff like that. Okay. Mm. Any particular favourite dropper posts? The good news is pretty much most dropper posts are pretty, like they've come on a long way in the last five years. So whatever you can afford, chances are it's going to be pretty decent these days. So they range from about £100 up to £600, I guess, yeah, don't they? For, maybe a bit more, yeah. Yeah, So, but anywhere... And the kind of features you'd expect are just kind of like the, the lower-end ones, I presume, are cable-operated. The higher-end ones are like wireless electronic. Is yeah. That, that's the kind of... Exactly. Okay. Yeah, but the cable-operated ones, they're all pretty decent these days. You have to go out of your way to find a find a bad dropper post. So, and, well, they, and they fit more bikes. There's more um, drop available. So in terms of how much your saddle will move, the travel, it used to be fairly limited. Um, but now there's, God, there's, there's almost every 10 mil you can choose from now um, across a lot of brands. How much travel would you recommend? It purely depends on your frame size and your um, leg length, basically, uh, how much you can... Um, tolerate almost because so for me so luke and i ride the same size bikes but he will have his saddle a lot higher than me so he he would be able to run a longer drop post than i can and so generally kind of having more travel would be preferable in general or i'd say yeah if, if you can the more you can, you can get it, it out of the way the yeah. better okay yeah absolutely that's a good shout well that's done, a, yeah it's a great wild card well done luke nice okay all right well Thank you very much for listening. If you do have any thoughts, comments, or feedback on this podcast, you can, of course, email us at podcast at bikeradar.com. As always, you can leave a comment on any of our articles on bikeradar.com, and we will endeavour to get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you very much, Rob and Luke, for joining me today. Cheers, thank Simon. you, Simon. And thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends, or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 